0: Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. I'm John Podhorts, the editor of Commentary. Once again, asking you as the end of the year fast approaches to consider adding commentary to your uh, charitable giving. This year, we are a 501c3 not for profit. We rely on the generosity of our listeners and readers and longtime donors. To make us whole and make it possible for us to keep doing what we're doing here every day, bringing you a podcast, bringing you a website, and bringing you a monthly magazine. We're lean and mean. We have a very small staff. The four of us on this podcast represent 80% of the staff of the magazine, uh, or more, actually. uh, And um, so we are, uh, we are, we are. Uh, forward-facing. We are uh, consumer-facing uh, every day. And uh, if you if you like us, if you listen to us, please make it possible for us to keep doing this uh, by going to commentary.org, www.commentary.org slash donate. And by we, I mean, of course, Executive Editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John. Media Commentary Columnist and American Enterprise Institute Fellow Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John an associate editor and author of The Rise of the New Puritans, Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. So it was a Volodymyr Zelensky day in Washington yesterday. He arrived. He spent two hours with with Joe Biden. They then gave a joint press conference. uh, And then two hours after that, he appeared in front of a joint session of Congress to deliver uh, a, a speech in gravelly uh, and sometimes a little hard to understand English. Um, so, uh, first thoughts, Abe.
1: Well, I mean, I thought it was very effective. Um, look, it, it would, to be totally honest, it would take a lot from me, he, from him, to have sort of put me off. You know, I can't, I can't imagine what he could have done that that I that I would have um thought was horrific not because I you know in love with him or with any leader but because his cause is just and is vital um and uh, it is crucial that we get involved in it but um I think he was excellent I think he was appropriately appreciative and uh honored himself and showed the the showed his uh, great admiration for the U.S. and and our friendship um I think the fact that it was gravelly and kind of hard to understand um, in no way hurts him. I think there the the sort of um, rough around the edges aspect of things um, makes it um, uh, um, appropriately uh, less theatrical uh, and uh, less polishy and show busy than, than some might be ready to 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 criticize it for having been um he said all the right things there was the one little in his way of saying uh has the u.s given uh ukraine enough weapons he said something like uh to be honest not really um uh, which had a sort of strange energetic effect it was, it was kind of a giggle um uh followed it um when it's not it wasn't exactly making a joke um but i think that was um not even a speed bump uh i thought it was Great. I, I think his um, his his popularity will increase in the US, uh, John, as you were saying last night on our on our text threads, I think this this the popularity for Zelensky and the cause will increase on the right as well, um, uh, both as a result of this and I would say as as in reaction to how um, some imbeciles on the right have uh, responded uh, to this. Uh, attacking a man for wanting, ev- wanting to get everything possible in defense of his own country.
2: That, that was the part, the part of the speech that I think is the most um, damning of that attitude of, of, you know, the handful of uh, folks on the right who didn't stand for any ovations and some like Thomas Massey didn't even show up for the speech. So when he said, this isn't charity, it's an investment in the future of democracy. And it struck me after he said that, uh, I was thinking last night and in early in early this morning, I was like, what is it about his speech that was so compelling? Part of it is that someone has finally made the case to the American people that the Biden administration as yet has failed to make in the terms that, you know, those of us on the right who care about the flourishing of freedom across the globe and think America is its beacon have been saying, but nobody... He's actually made the case that that Biden hasn't made on Ukraine, right? So, so the, the vacuum of that has been filled by nutbags on the right and, you know, kind of not very much on the Democratic left except, yes, we're going to support Ukraine. It was powerful. I, I totally agree with Abe. It was powerful in part because it was very direct, very simple, straightforward, just, you know, and 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 it include a lot of gracious. Thanks. Like he was genuinely thankful for the support the American people have given his people. I think that came across. I think he's absolutely right to say we continue to need your support because without, you know, Russia doesn't have limits on the number of weapons that what it can spend on weapons. Um, and, you know, we have st- the stories out of Ukraine. I mean, the image of his people celebrating Christmas by candlelight because Russia has taken out their uh, electrical grid. I mean, the, these images are, are searing for a reason. And I think I, I think he was very effective. And there was there was a lot of bipartisan, he he made sure he thanked both parties, not just the Democrats, not to, you know, he thanked both parties in Congress. Um, but it was important for me to hear someone make the case that I kind of wish some of our own political leaders had made already about Ukraine and its importance.
1: Can I just make a, on a very superficial note? Um, I saw on Twitter uh, a lot of, of attacks from the type of people we're talking about on the right regarding Zelensky's wearing fatigues to the white house and uh uh, to go to the Capitol and this great show of disrespect um yeah like like he needs he needs image making help like he's had a problem like like, he literally has a
2: French president mimicking him to to get credit right yeah like
1: he's doing any of that wrong
2: (laughs) well these are the people who were angry when Michelle Obama wore shorts so like I just don't take their opinion that seriously
0: This is, uh, I mean, I hate to use this term. (laughs) This is Zelensky's brand. You know Zelensky in part by the clothing that he wears. He is not seen in public. He has literally, I believe, not been seen in public in the last 300
3: days in any other clothing. So Deliberately, if you pay attention to what he says. (laughs) This is an act of, Olive Drab is an act of solidarity with the soldiers. Yeah, and he is he wants himself to be
0: a visual representation of what is going on inside his country which also means that the tone tenor and nature of the speech that he gives is itself let's you know we could sort of slow down on the churchill analogies but as itself he is he is the stand in for ukraine in the eyes of the world they don't you know people don't speak ukrainian they don't speak russian they're not there. They're not on the front line. They people see maybe people interviewed for 10 seconds or 15 seconds on a newscast. He is Ukraine. So he is dressing like can't be wearing a suit. Like I, th- this is not clothing that I can take on and off. We are in an existential physical conflict in which my country might be destroyed. Um, and so I don't have time to think about this. There are, Tens, if not hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians were wearing what I'm wearing right now. I'm wearing what they're wearing. And this bizarre churlishness about how, what, he couldn't come and wear a suit? Like, I mean, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It is just like, let me find something to say that's negative because there's something about what's going on here I don't like. And so this uh demeanor stuff which i think is actually in getting to the representational thing the fact that he is grave but every now and then willing to crack a joke or you know smile make light as he did during the press conference with biden as he did in a couple of moments in the speech it's important i mean it's an important it's saying like we're still here we're not just like robot soldiers or you know people who are suffering under this constant bombardment that is that is making us freezing cold and without electricity we are a full nation like you and uh i think that's pretty important um,
2: he also mentioned Iran, which I thought was interesting to sort of note that, you know, they're providing aid to Russia. Like that sort of, we have a com- common enemy here. We have yeah. a, you know, this is that, that was smart.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Noah, what did you,
0: Christine said the investment thing, and he did say, we're, you know, this is an investment. And I was looking at the numbers yesterday. We had another conversation on our text chat. So uh, you know, Fox throws up this alarmist chart on how much money is being spent, you know, the, how much money is in the omnibus spending package, 47 billion, and where the money is going. And if you do the math and you take out everything about how, you know, we're not we sure we, you know, I don't want to give Kevin McCarthy, the incoming House speaker, theoretically, saying we're not gonna give you Ukraine is now no longer gonna get a blank check. <clears throat> When did Ukraine ever get a blank check? This isn't a blank check. It's not $47 billion that's all going to a, you know, a bank account that Zelensky can write checks on. Only 12 billion of it is direct aid to Ukraine, right? 30 30 some odd billion is replenishing American stockpiles. Um creating uh, creating essentially an audit system to make sure that the money is going to the right places and, and, and stuff like that. So this line, this increasing line among the people who are churlish about the spending, is itself – I don't know if it's dishonest because I don't know how much they've reckoned with this. But, I mean, there has not been a blank check. We're not giving them every piece of weaponry that they want. We're giving them one Patriot missile battery. And he said yesterday both in the press conference and then in the speech – that he was going to have to come back to the well because this is great and it's going to help them. But Patriot missiles, every time you use one, you have one fewer. You know, it's not like they replenish themselves magically. Um, and then so if you say, I'm going to come back and ask for more. Oh, look at him. These just, you know, and Don- Donald Trump Jr. calling him a welfare queen. I would think he should just go. And you know, find a large animal to shoot and shoot the large animal. Like go go waste your life the way you're wasting your well, life. I mean,
2: and and to see this this you kid twerp. who's kid who's been living off his family's money calling somebody else a welfare queen is yeah.
0: Is
3: yeah. Something else. Cocaine addled <laughs> twerp. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot to get there too. Um, it was a big question with a lot of setups, four setups, as I counted them. <laughs> um, so yeah, first. Patriot missile batteries. If anybody actually cares about the particulars, most of the uh, President Zelensky's critics, as you say, are making it up on the fly. Um, They're quite obviously grasping at whatever they can to justify a pre-existing frustration with and hatred for this cause. There are more good faith arguments uh, against them, but those who are, are actually conceding the point, fortunately, that... Zelensky hit a home run. People like my friend, very sound analyst with whom I have a lot of degree disagreements on this subject, Michael Brandon Doherty, says too much debate about Zelensky crowding out the necessary debate about America's enduring interest, which translates to me as he nailed it. Um, Patriot missile batteries are part of a layered defense. You get two of them that cover a pretty broad area. But Ukraine is gigantic. Two of them don't really do a lot of work. In fact, there's a whole lot of gaps. Uh, the fact that they're shooting down the number of missiles that they are that are incoming is shocking, um, but it's not enough. It's There's plenty that are getting through, and they're disabling civilian, critical civilian infrastructure with the intention of crushing the civilian population. The direct aid, as you mentioned, in this particular package is $12 billion, which is just reconstruction aid. That's about as much as you would commit to a repairing a highway in the United States. It's really not a chunk of change. This, this package also includes um, uh, inspectors general to oversee this funding there was uh, perhaps not as much oversight as there should have been in the initial packages. I'm willing to concede that. The oversight is here now, so that's a defunct talking point. As far as the overall amount of money that we're putting into this thing, to date, it's roughly about $100 billion, which is a fraction of uh, America's defense spending. This particular package represents 5.6% of America's defense uh, defense spending. And for that money, we're uh, decimating the Russian army, and, now, and analysis in the Center for European Policy Analysis, uh, Edward Luce's outfit, a guy named Timothy Ash did the math on this, and found that you know for that money we're generating roughly a two or three times return by decimating the Russian army. About half the Russian army is committed to this fight, and uh, a lot of it is already disabled. Um, so that's a dramatic return on investment, and I don't think anybody, even the people who are critical, well maybe with a few the people who are critical of uh, Zelensky's effort and maybe don't understand what America's national interest is at stake here. Uh, probably most of them wouldn't go so far as to say we should join Russia's side. Russia is an adversary and diminishing its capacity to project power abroad in the zero sum game of geopolitics advances American interests. Um, so all of these arguments are kind of unsatisfying to say the least. And so you get you know, real efforts to misrepresent what's happening on the ground, like Zelensky's war on Christianity. You brought that okay, to the table to get... yesterday. Yes. Yeah, sure, you can set that up because I got fair right. points
0: on that to make too. Um. So when I when when the speech was over and I was flicking around on on TV to see what was going on, I hit Tucker Carlson tonight, and the chyron on Tucker Carlson tonight was. Zelensky declares war on Christianity. This is like three, four minutes into Tucker's show. Um, Like he does, but you know, what are you talking, you know, so uh, this was one of the elements of Tucker's condemnation of Zelensky, including he didn't come in a suit. Uh, He is asking for money, which is just outrageous of him. Uh, he and Glenn uh, Greenwald, who increasingly sounds like Paul Lind, were, you know, raging about how all this money wasn't going to people uh, addicted to fentanyl. Uh, and then Tulsi Gabbard came on and basically was running for vice president of Russia.
3: Um, <laughs> Two but, people so who are who were on the left in good standing like 20 minutes ago. Um, but we're we the ones are. who changed. They still but we've, are, but we've changed. We've we've really changed over the course of the Trump years. This is where this there are good faith arguments against this. I don't buy them, but there are good faith arguments. This there is are. where you get off the train into crazy town in the right. in, in a completely so bad faith right, effort right, to undermine so. this institution. Not only by the way, and they would also say if yeah. he wore a suit, look at what he's buying with American money. Um, Okay. Okay. so let's talk about the war in Christianity. Where does this line of argumentation come from? This originates and I can maybe there's some just pure ignorance here. It's possible. I I wouldn't go with pure ignorance, but go ahead. Nevertheless, um, there is this kind of convoluted, frankly, effort on the part of Kiev to um, undermine, outlaw, detract from the capacity of the Russian Orthodox Church to operate inside Ukraine. Um, that's the, the basis for this, for this logic. Right. Now, if you knew nothing more than that, you'd be like, well, he hates Christianity. He's also Jewish. It's kind of weird, right? Um, but you'd have to know nothing about it. The Russian Orthodox church operates under the patriarch guy named Kirill. Uh, who is fully on board with the invasion of Ukraine, does not believe Ukraine is an independent country, wants to crush it, subsume it within Russia, says as much outright, talks about Vladimir Putin as a miracle from God. Uh, And the church has been operating cross-purposes with the government in Ukraine. And Ukrainians themselves, this is not unpopular, Ukrainians themselves have, have organized a schism in their Orthodox church and created a schismatic situation where they have their own Orthodox church that competes with the patriarchy based in Moscow um which and, by the way is a
0: is a common condition of the Orthodox Church right. which 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 is very schismatic there are four or five or six Eastern Orthodox uh you know ch- sort of like Protestants sort of like you know the first second third fourth and fifth Reformed Presbyterian churches like there's Greek Orthodox there's Russian Orthodox there's you there's Armenian Orthodox there there are there are Different forms of orthodoxy because there is no pope, obviously. And so, uh, and so there is no unified field theory of orthodoxy the way there is with Catholicism. And so, having a Ukrainian Orthodox Church is perfectly st- There's an American Orthodox Church, which I think is just generally called Eastern
3: Rite Orthodox. I don't know. I mean, there's so anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So, <clears throat> regardless, there's, there's a, it's a political. Issue. It's not a it's not a theological you know, schism, but it is political because the Orthodox Church, the Russian Orthodox Church was engaged in political activities inside um, Ukraine that the government in Kiev wanted to stop them from doing. And critics of this, smart critics of this say, well, it's actually kind of difficult to engineer what you're trying to do. But really dumb critics of this say that this is an attack on Christianity. And is how can we have an ally that is uh, so disrespectful and hostile to the fair of, uh, you know, the, the equal uh, respect for religious practice and they don't express, you know, respect free expression. How can we have that ally? How many allies do we have that have no free speech protections? How many articles do you have to read about how awful this free speech environment in Great Britain is? Does that make them not a reliable United States ally with shared interests that we both advanced on a pretty regular basis and has generated profound benefits for us in the form of the long peace. It's just a dumb argument. It, it really is not necessary to even rebut it. It is even worse. It's even worse than you're saying. Very simple, OK?
0: Ukraine is engaged in a war for its survival, and there is a population inside Ukraine which is much smaller than anybody thought it was and much smaller than Putin thought it was, that is uh, actively hostile to the Ukrainian effort to save itself from the Russian yoke and is collaborative with the enemy. And in times of war, what you do when there are collaborators with the enemy is you interfere with their ability to collaborate because their presence in your ranks is a direct danger to the lives of the people who live in their apartment buildings, who are in their neighborhoods and stuff like that because they can be providing geolocated target positions and this and that and the other thing. And the idea here is that meetings of the Russian Orthodox Church inside Ukraine, it is not irrational to assume that a meeting of the Russian Orthodox Church in Ukraine would be, given the Russian Orthodox Church's yoking itself to Putin, would be a form of 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 creating an internal spy network. Now, we, we say internal spy network in America, and suddenly we're back to COINTELPRO and this is all. This is no joke. They are at war. Tens of thousands of people have died. Hundreds of thousands of people are at risk of death every single day, if not more. They have to do what they have to do to interfere with any effort that Russia has at communicating inside Ukraine
3: yeah, there's That's martial it, law yeah. in Ukraine.
0: and there's martial <laughs> law, which by the way, yeah, remember I mean, here in the yeah, like if you're trying to analogize this to like people saying you can't go to church during covid, you're just you're just an ass. I mean, this is we're not war. cursing.
2: We're trying not to curse so much.
0: <laughs> this is war. I mean, it's not the equivalent of war. I'm not using the word war the way everybody in America uses war, which is it's not a war, but we're calling it a war so that we can use extreme vocabulary to talk about fighting it. This is a war. People are dying. Ukrainians are dying. The Russians draw very little distinction between Ukrainian citizens and Ukrainians in uniform, and the, and it is it, it would be an act of dereliction. They draw They're zero targeting civilians. Parts. They're they actively resistance. targeting this civilians. War. This yeah. is as total a total, total war, war as we've seen all the Second all the World Rules War. Of, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Zelensky has to interdict the ability of Russia to communicate inside Ukraine. It is job number one. Destroying command, control, and communications is job one. If you are fighting a war, and communications could very easily be conducted in uh, under cover of church service because and so like I, n- nobody would question this the hilarious thing is you have people questioning it who were i think totally fine with the idea that mosques should be shut down in the wake of 911 in the united states and now they're crying crocodile tears over the over the over the ukrainian over the russian orthodox church i
1: want to i oh. want to pick up on that point because it occurred to me last night that so many of the people who on the right who are talking about uh the ukrainian cause as some sort of um trumped up hoax um and and uh waste of of american uh money and, and and all the rest of it um they all supported the war in iraq and the war in afghanistan uh and now they act as if those wars were supported by other people uh and they are they they have never been on board with with um any American foreign adventure and any, any efforts to support uh, 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 people in obtaining their freedom abroad. Um, and uh, if, and when Ukraine wins, they will pretend uh, that they were for this.
3: Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. No, they still haven't come around on Iraq.
0: Maybe, I don't know. Um, let's take a break and hear from our friends at fire. Do you know only one in three Americans believes we can fully exercise our free speech rights? That's why FIRE is stepping up to protect freedom of expression for all Americans, no matter where you're from or what you believe. The Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, or FIRE, knows free speech makes free people. FIRE will always be a principled, nonpartisan, nonprofit defender of your rights. Join the fight for free speech at www.file.com thefire.org let, let, let's dig a little into this question of the right's response because um i don't know if it's the right's response and i think it's important to say that uh tucker carlson and his people and matt gates and lauren Boebert and thomas massey in the house are not the right we are ceding an enormous amount of moral and political territory to them to say that they are the right. And this is how the right is responding. It is exactly how, you know, the sort of the center liberals want to believe the right is so that they are not haunted by their own connection to ideas and people that they maybe shouldn't be so readily connected to. Um, So far, and this is, I think, was a so Noah, as you as you charted the other day and we mentioned yesterday, support for the war in Ukraine among Republicans in polls was at sixty-five percent for a lot of the year. And then in there was some survey, I think in October or something, where it dropped to fifty-five percent. And that's why it's gonna be interesting to see where we are uh
3: with this question after Zelensky's. I didn't appearance. get to say it, but I actually don't agree with either you or Abe, that the, immediately the response to Zelensky's speech will be more support from Republicans. Just visually, I don't see that From, Repo- from Republicans. From Republicans, because this is a low information issue. No offense, but it is, because it's not high salience. And the visuals that they will be confronted with are um, Zelensky's flanked by Kamala Harris and um, uh, cool. Nancy Pelosi. And that's where their cues will come from you You could be right. You could be right. But you know
0: you you say that it's a low information issue, and then the question is do we do we support the Ukrainian cause against Russia? Or do we not support the Ukrainian cause against Russia? And maybe that site will be enough. i I, I don't know whether it's a low information voter. Who looks at that and says, oh, look, there's Kamala Harris and and Nancy Pelosi, and I don't like them. So I don't like Zelensky. I'm not sure that's a low information voter. That may be a high information voter. Low possibly. information voter may not know what Nancy Pelosi looks like. Possibly. But they also
2: but but they also I think that the broader approach that they take to the whole issue isn't, you know, do we support Russia or do we support Ukraine? It's. Why are why do we care at all about any other country but our own when we have all these problems to solve here? Why would we spend yeah. money? It, it's a very it's a much more kind of neo-isolationist approach to. Well, it's a very it's like, American. We don't wanna... I, yeah. I think it's
3: very American. It's very natural for that to be our default response. And we'll snap well, back to it eventually. And, yeah, and many we'll snap moments... back to it eventually. Fatigue will set in. Uh, I don't suspect it'll set in tomorrow, but we can expect it to take a toll. Well, and that's one of the reasons that he has to do what Zelensky
0: has to do what he did and why this has to go on. This is, I think, Christine's point, which is the case for this aid and this case for how America is playing a role here has to be made over and over and over again in order to stave off.
2: And Biden has not of, made yes, that Our case. favorite
0: yeah. subject, entropy. Like if no. we go on like this or you know, not, I mean, if we go on without the constant effort to explain to people why this is important, the support will degrade over time, and not just, by the way, among, you know, Republicans. Like, it will start degrading among Democrats. To hear conservative Republicans complaining that we're not spending enough welfare dollars on fentanyl addicts is very... This is where the rubber meets the road in an interesting way. I mean, Donald Trump Jr. is calling Zelensky a welfare queen, and the opinion of the people who are trying to say that this aid is rotten and illegitimate are people who are interested in creating or supporting or propping up a new class of welfare queen, if you want to use this terminology. Our working class is being screwed. So many people are addicted to opiates. We're in a crisis in all these ways. What, What is the logic here that that $100 billion that you're talking about, Noah, that that money should be spent doing what? to interdict the fentanyl problem
2: where well, what they is, would say strengthen the border because that's where it's coming across. They would say, you know, I, I don't know what they would say in terms of, of drug rehab services, which obviously would be a good use of domestic spending money to help to help uh, with this crisis. Um, But mainly they use it as a way to argue actually for a, for a sort of geopolitical action, which is to secure the border where the, the cartels are bringing the fentanyl across. So that's, that would be their response. I think.
0: See, I think you're being too logical and I don't think that would be their response because a lot of what they're talking about here. And I mean, this is sort of the Glenn Greenwald point. This is where the, the, the left diverges from the right is they want the government to give money to you know to to addicts or something i mean i mean it, it's not very clear they don't want spending at
1: the border you know well it's the Tom essence of popul- want spend- yeah
0: Go it's ahead. the
1: essence of populism uh don't spend money on those people over there mm-hmm. that that is you're taking it directly out of the pockets of 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 uh, people over here um so right. the issue is is too good you know, in, in a in populist paradigm to even think through, you you, you just have to respond.
2: Right. But, There's no details yeah. in there. There's yeah. no devil in the details because yeah. there are no details. It's just it's rhetoric. Yeah. I think but it's so honestly
1: nice. a gigantic
3: opportunity for Democrats to fracture the Republican Party by asking the, the populist wing of the Republican Party to put taxpayers money where their mouths are. But where is your let's do a guaranteed the, minimum income. This let's is really expanded important. child tax credit. Let's 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 play ball here, Republicans. Yeah, and they, yeah. Honestly, they I don't think we would discover that they're not nearly as populist as they, they pretend to be on television. But a lot right. of this is just a function of the fact that they have to try to hate McConnell. Everything that isn't in the omnibus bill that, that we all are thankful that is not in the omnibus bill is because Mitch McConnell stood in the way. All the good stuff. He's getting a savage for it, by the way, by the right. But one of the reasons right. why we don't have all this profligate spending and social engineering in this omnibus bill is because Mitch McConnell wouldn't let it in there.
2: But there's well, a, there's something there's something John said the other day about the entertainment wing of the Republican Party, which I think applies here, too. It's the same thing. It's the reason why when he's under oath, Sean Hannity says, I never believed the big lie. But when yeah. he's on his show, he said it over and over again. So that there is there is an absolute willingness to perform a particular political view when the public's eye is on to you. you. That, yeah, and lie, which when it's a politician, we should expect that. But the, but there's a growing number who seem to believe the rhetoric and the lie. And then when they're asked, as you say, to put their money where their mouth is, it's like, what are you talking about?
3: <laughs> I don't expect lies from politicians or people in the media. I Maybe spin, which is a yeah. matter of emphasis, but outright fabricating facts and pretending well, that I- you believe them. Is new and it's not something I expect or will. Tolerate. I agree. I agree well, with you, Dana. Yeah. I I think I think,
0: you know, a couple of moments over the last 15 years changed the tenor of American politics forever. Uh, some of them from Obama and some of them from Trump. The Obama moment was: if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. The president of the United States, out and out, with incredible cynicism, lied to the American people about his own gigantic and world-changing proposal right that was new that was a new thing like you know again spin you could have twisted yourself into a pretzel to say something comparable to that but he was in for if he was in for a penny he was in for a pound and he was going there and then of course trump took lying to a new level like trump lied like he you know lied like he breathes you know and 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 you couldn't keep up with the number of lies that he told. And he mainstreamed lying uh, because when when Trump told lies and people like me would say, well, you know, this has a root in like Obama saying, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. That had the obvious and perverse effect of saying, well, then it's okay that Trump's lying because Obama did it first, which is ain't what I'm saying. And it is amazing that Sean Hannity could say, I said this for six months, but when I actually have to, when I'm facing, you know, actual legal consequences, I'm going to admit that I, I knew that I was lying. Like that is people spend their lives trying to make sure that other people don't say you just lied to me. Like it, that used to be like a deal breaker in life, in ordinary life, you to be caught out in a lie. Like you were shamed forever, like, you know, and we're, we're living in a, in a, in a new era, but I'm um, in terms of the entertainment wing, and this is what I, when, when I said I don't want to cede the Republican Party or the conservative movement to these people. Tucker Carlson war on Christianity. He and Glenn Greenwald and Tulsi Gabbard talking about the evil and how Zelensky, how dare he come here and make demands and da 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 da. Tucker Carlson has an audience of three million people. I mean, that's a lot of people. But there are 330 million people in the United States. And at any given moment in the eight to nine hour when Tucker Carlson is on, there are 150 million people watching television and 147 million of them are not watching him. And the idea that he is the voice of the right is wrong. He is not the voice of the right. The voice of the right voted for Ukraine aid throughout this year, supported Ukraine aid. Now, ma- now there may be a hinge moment at which this is all going to change, but I don't know if it's going to change. Dan Crenshaw, congressman from Texas, you know, uh, lost an eye fighting for this country and all this said, I heard what I needed to hear from Zelensky last night. Now, he's hawkish. You know, he, you know, he, he volunteered to fight the war on terror and all of that. And so he would be more um, comfortable with this, you know, with 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 the idea of the application of U.S. military power to help fight a tyranny. Um, but, you know, if things were going in a different direction, I'm not sure Crenshaw would necessarily say what he said. And remember, we are, it went from 65% support for Ukraine to 55% support for Ukraine, but it's still 55%. Among Republicans. Now, maybe it's not in Lauren Boebert's district, although Lauren Boebert almost lost her race. This is fundamentally putting her hands, she lost by 500 votes.
3: This is the problem Republicans face is that there is a much smaller universe of Republicans in the post Trump era. They are a much more cohesive group because they are a smaller group. Fewer people are registered as Republicans. There was an exodus in the Trump years. So they have their, if they're playing to their base, it's a much more ideologically homogeneous, homogeneous uh, group of people that are wildly unrepresentative, as 2022 suggested, of the broader public. And if you want to appeal to the broader public, you have to compartmentalize the issues that Republican base voters that resonates with Republican base, vote, base voters. So this is sort of what we're seeing, I think, from Steve Scalise, who is you know in in Politico today is like he's being very skeptical of Ukrainian aid, and he's saying, "quote." Having taxpayer dollars that go anywhere, whether it's domestically or abroad, deserves scrutiny. That is the extent of his skepticism. Now, maybe that is sort of hedging against the, the really vocal Republican base that's annoyed at this. But it's also nothing. It means nothing. No, it says it's nothing. Like when and the, McCarthy... fact, and the yeah. fact that Politico wanted to make this into, well, Republicans hate Ukraine aid, means they want Republicans to oppose Ukraine aid. That's exactly right. There's a conspiracy of interests against Ukrainian aid that's brewing here that will have an appreciable effect in the near term if people don't sober up about
0: it. That is a very important point. And again, when Kevin McCarthy said, we're not going to give Ukraine a blank check, that's the same thing. Who wants government spending to be a blank check for anything? No, but no rational person wants blank checks. So if you say, we're the Congress, we don't want there to be a blank check, that should be totally uncontroversial. The effort to, he's saying that maybe to gull or, you know, say something that will be sound okay to the ears of the rejectionists on Ukraine without saying anything that is violative of the notion that we're going to continue to support Ukraine. And there is money in this omnibus package a lot of spending 30 million dollars i know it sounds like nothing but to create an audit system to follow the dollars that are going to ukraine that is in the and and there there was similar monies there were similar monies in the earlier version you know in the earlier aid versions we are watching where that money is going there is this lunatic repulsive idea Around that, nobody by nobody cares where the money is going, and it's just going into Zelensky's pocket. Where does Zelensky have a pocket? He could be dead in three months. He was at the front yesterday uh, on when on 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 uh, on Tuesday. He was in Bakhmut on Tuesday. A stray missile, and he's dead. Like
2: that was the the flag he he, presented. Actually, was from the front. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, we don't know that he is going to survive this. The way that he is conducting himself as the president of Ukraine, he is not. You know, I mean, you know, Churchill didn't go to Normandy. Churchill did wear his
2: fatigues to the White House for all that's,
0: and that's also true. But Churchill, look, I'm sure he was in a a weird jumpsuit.
3: I hadn't seen
2: that picture. It was like it's
3: It's back in fashion now. It's like a jumper. Yeah, totally pulls it off. Yeah, he does. (laughs) Anyway, but
0: I'm just saying, like, like what, what, yes. Has the Ukrainian government been corrupt over the last 30 years? You betcha. I mean, is there a lot of corruption in everywhere in the world in which we don't have established norms th- over <laughs> over centuries? Yes.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons why yes, I went there in 2017. The when I went to yeah. Kiev in 2017, it was part of this broad package that the Poroshenko government at the time was attempting to, you know, organize in the Western world, getting everybody possible in the Western world over there to talk about civil society. And and, and to create civil society and to address corruption. They talk about corruption all the time. It's a major problem, and they know it. And one of the reasons why uh, they've enjoyed so much success in reforming the country over the last 20 years and and making it a much more responsible democracy, they've made incredible progress, is because we've invested hundreds of billions of dollars in this country. This is not new. We've been giving Ukraine money for decades.
0: And in war, when money... Is being, you know, pouring in to armaments and troop movements and supporting supply chains. And that's where the term supply chain comes from, by the way. We keep talking about the supply chain. Supply chain is literally a military term to describe how it is that an army on the move gets its goods to like feed its soldiers and stuff like that. And, you know, whatever aid it needs, mail, all of that. That's a supply. That's what a supply chain actually is. Anyway. In in the in the, uh, the annals of American history, the Wade Commission during the Civil War investigated war profiteering. Harry S. Truman became vice president and then president of the United States because he was the chairman of the Senate Committee on War Profiteering in World War II. Is there war profiteering? There will always be war profiteering in war. I will wager that there will be less war profiteering in this war than in almost any other war in history. Because we're not giving Ukraine a blank check because every dollar that is going out is is being funneled through some system where there are people watching where the money is going. And so to 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 hammer on that is to argue in bad faith. It is to argue in bad faith. like there is this is, you know, the most resonant novel from World War II, the novel from World War II, the American novel that mo- that everybody reads is Catch-22, which is about war profiteering. It's a satirical portrait of Milo Minderbinder is a war profiteer. That is that is the comic through line in the course of the entire book. So, you know, anyway, I just think it's 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 interesting because these arguments are all being made, and they're being made by a small rump of people. Again... Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert and Tom Massey are not the 222 or 223 Republicans in the incoming Congress. Are they punching above their weight in terms of influence? Yes. If something goes horribly wrong in Ukraine, will the entire Republican Party flip on a dime and oppose Ukraine aid and pretend that they didn't? Absolutely they will, without question. But if that that has not been the story of this year, the story of this year is the extraordinary, heartening, you know, uh, odds-defying and and morally jaw-dropping resistance of the Ukrainians, and their success not only in the it's not only resistance, the David versus Goliath fight against uh, against a, a more powerful, uh, superior in numbers, superior in. And you know, in in armament, and they're here. They are like winning against the Russians. You know, so they're they're sitting here going, ah, he's wearing a not wearing a suit and all of that. Again, three million people watch Tucker Carlson. We make a mistake. We should. We have to take that seriously. It could be, you know, it could be a harbinger of really bad things to come. But it's still three million. It's not thirty million. It could be thirty million.
3: Vastly overrepresented in the. In the Republican conference in Congress. In the House. There's
0: also the, the Senate. Republican yeah. There are 49. There will be 49 Republican senators. Given the givens, given their druthers, given what the, how many of them would vote for Ukraine aid with their eyes closed? 90% of them? How many senators who, of course, represent entire states, how many Republican senators are philosophically opposed? Rand Paul? Of course, Rand Paul's opposed to military aid, foreign aid, all kinds of aid. The two senators from Louisiana are like rah-rah gung-ho, let's go, Ukraine. That's a pretty rock-ribbed Republican state with a lot of crazy with a lot of crazy right wingers there. I don't know. Like we overestimate The noise here, in part because of what you're talking about, Noah, that the fact is that there is a conspiracy of interests between the lunatic right or the isolationist right and the mainstream media that wants them to be the face of the Republican Party. It wants them. It wants them to vote against all this stuff so that they can spend the rest of time saying, don't vote for these lunatics. Look at this great cause. And and they churlishly, you know, spit on it. You know, let's add. You know, they're going to need another issue after Dobbs. I don't think Ukraine is going to be the issue that abortion was, but it'll. You know, they they need something after election denial, so they'll need to stitch a bunch of issues together, and this could be one of them. Anyway, so we will uh, be back uh, tomorrow for Abe, Christina, Noam, John Podhoritz.
1: Keep the candle burning.